Hello, welcome to the UCAN Pod Squad, episode two. I'm Alex, UCAN's music and sound guy, uh, standing in for Rob on hosting duties this week while Rob has a little bit of technical difficulties, but he'll be back again very shortly. So we've had some great feedback on episode one, thanks to everyone who got in touch. We'd also like to hear more from listeners out there, whether you'd like to contribute to the podcast or just let us know what you think, what you'd like to hear more about, please do get in touch on the UCAN Facebook, or you can email us. The email address is podsquad at ucanproductions.org. That's podsquad at ucanproductions.org. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, then, this episode, we're going to lift the lid a little bit on the work that UCAN does, uh, helping people boost their confidence and work on skills and that kind of thing. We're also going to hear a little bit of UCAN music, And then Rob interviewed a digital accessibility engineer because one of the topics that we want to look at is employability and employment skills and that kind of thing and what kind of jobs are out there uh, and what kind of jobs some of our members are actually doing. First up, UCAN member Jordan Allen interviews UCAN trainer Alice Byrne about the SASI course. Uh, That's a UCAN course and SASI is an acronym Still not quite sure what it stands for myself, but hopefully we'll find out in a minute. Here's Jordan talking to Alice. So, um, hello guys, my name is Jordan and joining me on the podcast is Alice from UCAN. Hello. Hi, George. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm good, Jordan. Thank you. So my um, first question is to you, how long have you been working for UCAN? Okay, I've been working with UCAN pretty much um, from the beginning when Jane and Bernie Um, established UCAN. I remember I wasn't involved in the very first project but I remember going along to the gate to see a performance Um, and at that time I was working in the Shim Theatre which is where I met Jane Um, and basically I was becoming a freelancer which means that I was leaving uh, work my permanent place at the Sherman and I was going out uh, to be employed on a temporary basis by arts organizations. But um, thankfully I met with Jane first and she offered me work with UCAN. Um, I remember being really impressed with the production that they had done at the gate and working with anyone with um, who was blind or had a visual impairment is something that was very, very new to me and I'd never done before. Um, so I've pretty much been now with UCAN uh, for, oh my gosh, I think it might be 14, 15 years, Jordan. Quite a long time. Mm. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, it is quite a long time. <laughs> it is, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was sort of, you know, after the performance, I spoke with Jane and she said, hopefully this is a company that we're going to be building. And obviously, as we know, it's built up um, to, to be what it is today. Um, with huge amount of members from all over the country. In fact, I suppose all over the world, because we've worked um, in places like Sicily. We've got projects with America. So, yeah, I've been really lucky to have worked with UCAN for all that time. So um, could you actually tell me your role, what your what the name of your role is in UCAN? Yeah, sure. So I'm a workshop trainer. Um, I specialise in, um, I suppose I specialise in drama, but I um, also have a background in dance. So a lot of my work with UCAN has been uh, 
uh, working through dance, uh, doing choreography for many of the shows, working alongside Bernie, Bernie would direct, um, and then I would help him out with um, choreography um, and sort of assistant directing. Um, so it's been, I've been really lucky because it's been a mixture of the two art forms. Um, and then I uh, started about five years ago working at the Royal National College for the Blind in Hereford. So what I did there was lead part of the qualification performing arts programme. Um, and I'd go in once a week to work with performing arts students on a specific part of the programme, which meant that we worked on creating performance together. So at the end of each year, the students would have a performance that they had developed themselves throughout the year, um, which I absolutely loved doing and met many, many new students from around the, um, around the country, mm. you know, from around the United Kingdom, who have then also, a lot of them have worked further with UCAN um, out of the college as well, which has been really good. Um, yeah, really fulfilling role, actually. Uh, very lucky that I can do two separate art forms. Um, so it's, it's, I mean, it's never the same. You know, my work is never the same. Right. Um, could you also tell our viewers on the podcast about um, Sassy? Sassy, yeah. So we have been running a new project. Um, well, we started in October last year and... UCAN has primarily worked with uh, children and young people up to, up to the age of 25. So uh, we developed um, a programme with Dinos Aristidou, who is, forgive me, I might, might be wrong, he's our learning um, coordinator or manager. Um, but Dinos I've worked with um, on many occasions and he devised courses for those who are say 17 18 plus who are not necessarily in a work you know work environment uh, those who've just left education and are looking to increase confidence self-advocacy uh, work on those skills that might get them into either further education volunteer roles um, or or a job which in some cases that has happened. Um, so it's, we come together once a week. We obviously times are a little bit strange at the moment with lockdown, but before lockdown, we would meet in Cardiff in uh, Llanover Hall. Um, and then after Llanover Hall, we started another course and that course was held at Sight Life in Cardiff. Um, so yeah, we've, we've had really, it's quite a big group. We have about 15 plus people who come along and we work together through drama. We use drama to work on those things that I said. So like self-advocacy because uh, SASI actually stands for self-advocacy for the sight impaired. Um, so it's about being together and we, use drama to raise confidence. We work on interview skills, um, lots of different stuff, actually. It's very uh, group-led. So in the first term, uh, the whole group was really enthusiastic. We actually ended up doing a performance, um, which, which was something that the group 
decided that they really fancied doing. So we came up with a really nice Christmas performance uh, that performed at Clanover Hall. Um, now, obviously, that course has gone online. So when we went into lockdown, we had to act really quickly because we didn't want our members of, well, whether it's SASE or any of our groups really, to um, to not have anything or no have no you can workshops anymore. So as you know, Jordan, because you're part of the group, uh, we've had to move everything online. So a lot of the time we've had to try different things out, haven't we? We like drama yeah. games. Um, we use a lot of, um, I suppose it's storytelling, don't we? It's we not all of us have got the space to move around, so it's not no. as active, is it, as we 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 have had. No, I've been enjoying it. Yeah, it, I mean, it's we've had great fun. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's all about giving uh, older people with who was um, sight impaired those opportunities to uh, come together, to be together, to raise confidence and to develop those skills that they might need to um, go out to find work, to find uh, other opportunities. Volunteer. I think. What do you do, Jordan? You volunteer. You do I volunteer with R and at the moment. Ah, oh, right. Yes. Okay. Um, and then there's others out there who are seeking employment. Yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 an amazing course. It's just developed much much better than I ever ever imagined. Yeah. Um, we've met new people, haven't we? We've um, actually been online. The advantage of that is we've had people from other areas who wouldn't necessarily be able to join us in person have been able to join the course um we've got people from england devon um who else have we got we've got people from swansea blackwood blackwood yeah all over all yeah. over really it's, it's been really nice so we've given those those people opportunities as well to, to come and join you can and what yeah. you can have got to offer right and um, well thank you for that alice that's okay no problem at all thank you right Thank you, Jordan and Alice. Next up, we thought for people who might want to know a bit more about how UCAN works and the kind of work that we do, we'd throw in a little bit of feedback we've had from a few UCAN members on the theme of confidence building and how UCAN helps with that. So you'll hear a few quick clips about that, followed by a bit of music. We've got UCAN's ukulele wizard, Rod Arthur, accompanied by a few UCAN members singing Happy Go Lucky Me. I think the reason why I got more confident was because of you can. Otherwise, I would never have been like sat here like talking now. Like I would have been like, no, I'm running away from that. It's helped me in so many things as well. I've been able to sing in front of people. I wouldn't have taken music or drama in school if it wasn't for you can. I'd been like, no, I couldn't do that because I can't talk to people. Shannon's been coming with you for the last week um, to see the difference in there. We saw the difference Monday afternoon and her confidence just soared. So I just hope you can do more with her because uh, it's been fantastic. Thank you very much. The ethos of UCAN is fantastic and I've really enjoyed today, especially playing the games and being involved with the games, accessible games, <laughs> um, and learning about what you can do and all the different outreach things that UCAN does as well. I think it's, it's great.
She loves it. Absolutely yeah. loves it. As soon as she knows there's a Maggie's Club coming up, that's all we have all week. Maggie's Club, Maggie's Club, meeting the people. They all make a fuss of her. She loves joining in. She loves seeing the other kids. She's boosted in confidence. She used to get really skittish in noisy situations. Now, although she still gets skittish, she can tolerate them more. It's just a global benefit. She absolutely loves it. Just wish we could have more of them. I can't emphasise it enough. I can laugh when things aren't funny. Okay, next on the pod squad, Rob took some time out to interview his friend James Scholes, who is a digital accessibility engineer. Uh, interesting chat on accessibility issues and technology. Here it is. Well, I'm here with a good friend of mine, James Scholes today. Hello, James. Hi, Rob. How are you doing? I'm all right, mate. So, um, briefly, what, what is it that you do? So, I suppose... Uh... The job title I go by is Digital Accessibility Engineer. So what I'm usually doing is working with apps and websites, usually iOS apps and, and websites, to make sure that they are accessible to the widest possible audience. So people uh, like those listening to this podcast will probably be screen reader users, but also people with different reading disabilities like dyslexia, people maybe using switch devices or people controlling their phone with you know with their eyes or whatever it may be um and and that sort of thing excellent um how did you get into that sort of industry well this is the first full-time job that i've had uh, i have done a few you know a few sort of one-off gigs i suppose in, in this area uh in the past but it was last year and I was really looking to get into, in, into proper work. And I just reached out to this company that I'm working for on Twitter uh, and, and got lucky, I suppose. But I think you're right. It, it is something which, if you're already a screen reader user or have any sort of disability, you've already got the sort of empathy bit down. You know, you know what it's like to be browsing the web or using, a, well, using anything really and finding that it doesn't meet your needs. And then really for me, it was just a case of expanding that to, to take into account, you know, what is it like for people with, with other disabilities? If you were, if you were given a, a website and told to test this website for um, screen reader users, so maybe JAWS users or MBDA users, what, what does that entail as someone testing that? What are you looking for? Um, when, it, when it comes to, to making it as accessible as possible? So there's a variety of different levels. Um, I know yourself, you, you test it with, as you say, with a screen reader, and then that feedback that you give, maybe it's about headings, maybe it's about labels on links and buttons and that sort of thing. And then that feedback goes into a, another process, sort of the next link in the chain, if you will, 
where somebody is maybe doing more of a formal audit of that website to say this website is X percent accessible or whatever. Uh, and I suppose for me, because I, I work for a smaller company, much smaller, I tend to do the whole thing. So I do it from the start of just testing it myself uh, with a screen reader, also working with a couple of other colleagues who do the visual side, looking at you know how readable is the text, the color contrast and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and then I take all of that and manage it and put it together, maybe sometimes as an audit, a compliance statement, and then that sort of thing. But most of all, it's how usable is this? How easy is it to carry out the tasks? What, what might trip people up, uh, depending on what assistive technology they're using, screen readers, speech recognition, magnification, etc. Brilliant. Uh, it sounds like you're quite... Uh, knowledgeable in the subject maybe IT is that is that something you've always been interested in oh definitely so since since I was a teenager I've been uh, interested in computing and in programming and development and that sort of thing which is also uh, a big part of my work you know sometimes we're testing a system but then we're actually going in and, and fixing it as well and resolving those issues and often I'm also just working directly with the engineers and designers on a project. We often like to come in as soon as possible at the beginning of a project and look at their designs and say how likely it is that they could be turned into an, uh, an accessible, uh, accessible system or website or app. So, so my job is, is on the, the more technical end of it. There is the less technical end of it, which is more about inclusive design and just how you treat users with disabilities or just additional needs, how you describe images and how you provide audio description for videos, that sort of thing. But my job is more on the technical end, but anybody wanting to get into this, into this industry, there is a lot of different levels. You don't necessarily need to be truly technical or interested in software development or anything to, to make a difference. Absolutely, that sort of leads me on to the next point quite nicely. I think, as I say, I, I work in a, in a similar vein, but on a, a lower level. And I think, although what you're describing it is quite technical, as you say, it's not necessarily something you've, you've really got to be overly and massively knowledgeable about to, to be able to get into that industry. As I say, it, it, on my level, it, it's simply having the, the knowledge of, of a screen reader or, or, um, magnification or uh, as you say these switch devices and uh, speech recognition just having that knowledge is um, you know quite often a, a really good starting point to be able to just get a job and I think that's that's the important thing I think it's not something that we hear about that much but you know perhaps it should be when it comes to we all know the the sort of difficulties in terms of employment uh, for disabled people, uh, do you think perhaps this industry should be, you know, highlighted uh, a bit more than it is currently? Definitely. I, I definitely think it should be. I think people in school should be encouraged to explore uh, this sort of area and, um, you know, the technical side of it as well, but, but also for people who are not so much interested in that, 
this is a pretty good time to get into this sort of thing because both the UK and the EU have new legislation about how public services have to be accessible. So government sites, local council websites, um, you know, any university apps or websites that they provide to students, all of that now has to be accessible and usable by law by people with disabilities. So I think you will see more of a spotlight being, being shone on this area. And I think the best people to go into it are those who already have knowledge of what it's like to face those challenges. And obviously, unemployment in disabled communities is often quite high. So you know, any work that they can do to both have income, have a job, but also have an impact, I think is excellent. Do, do you get some sort of fulfillment from, from this area? I mean, I, personally, when I, when I started, it was, it was just to get a job, like, like for, for a lot of people. But I think there is, there is a, a sort of level of, um, of, of knowing that if I get given a job uh, from quite a well-known company or website, or I think you can sort of feel like you're making a difference. Oh, yeah, you can. Yeah, for sure. I think, especially for, for us, when you see a product go from design through to being actually released to the public and you know that you've had a hand in making sure it's accessible the first time somebody uh, gets their hands on it, I think that that's a good feeling. And if you've worked on something and you see people discussing it on Twitter or something like that or on social media uh, and saying how much more usable they find it, it, it is quite rewarding, definitely. Because there's not going to be a single person, uh, you know, who is VI or, or, or disabled in any way using assistive technology, listening to this podcast, who hasn't come across something that's not quite accessible. So I think it's it's something that's so relevant for, you know, anyone who who has used a screen reader, who has used any sort of website or application, they will have come across, you know, something that doesn't work, whether it's just as simple as a button that isn't labeled but everyone will have come across it. And I, I think it's, it's really useful to, to let people know that there is, or there are opportunities within the, uh, within this sort of industry to, to actually make a difference in that area. Well, it also gives you insights because a lot of the time when you come across something that's not accessible, you know, we tend to feel like, uh, we, you know, we tend to feel annoyed and frustrated and, and, and like, you know, is it really that difficult to label a button? Uh, and oftentimes the, the fix is very simple and it's not something that's been done maliciously. But also working in this area, it can be in itself a bit frustrating because it can take a company or a development team, you know, a month to fix something like that because they have a backlog, they have a queue of stuff waiting to be fixed. But then if you've worked in this area and you yourself in your personal life find these issues, it actually gives you a voice uh, somewhat of authority to kind of go to a company and say, look, you know, I found these issues, you know, happy to help you fix them uh, because I, it could improve the accessibility for your disabled audiences. Absolutely. I, I think it's, it's brilliant that you've, you've come on to, to talk about it and to highlight the as I say, just the opportunity, really. If anyone is interested in any way, there is there is work out there. Um, I think we'll wrap it up. But thank you very much for uh, for joining us today, James. And uh, well, have a have a, a good rest of the week. And uh, hopefully, yeah, we'll you too. Thank you for uh, having me.
<laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Cheers. Okay, that's about it for episode two of Pod Squad. Now, do get in touch. We're looking for people who have written stories, written songs, poems, anything creative that you've done. Uh, we'd like to include it on the Pod Squad. So get in touch. As I said, it's podsquad at youcanproductions.org. Or get in touch on the UCAN Twitter or Facebook. Oh, and a little update. You can now listen to us on Apple Podcasts. We are on there. Just search for You Can Pod Squad. We're also on Spotify. You can listen to us on the Facebook page, on Twitter, and there's a YouTube page. And we're on Podbean. And also other podcast-finding apps will all find the Pod Squad. Uh, we've put links out there, or you can just search for You Can Pod Squad. If you've got any trouble, get in touch, and we'll help you out. That's it for this episode. See you soon for episode three. Bye.